0: On today's installment of the John Campius Show,
1: Regal Cinemas, which is in bankruptcy, may be going up for sale. Could Disney or Amazon buy them? Jeremy Renner gets an update to his health condition after his accident. Netflix has canceled the popular 1899 series. Who are the top contenders to be the new Batman? The popular Netflix show Wednesday might be moving to Amazon, possibly according to a report. The showrunner of House of the Dragon maybe actually left the show because... They wouldn't make his wife a producer. Anyway, that and a whole bunch more. The John Campbell Show starts right now. Well, greetings and salutations, everybody. Welcome to the Best damn Movie Related Show on the planet Earth. Cutting right here on my YouTube channel. Brought to you in part by our friends at Mint Mobile. I am, of course, your host. John Campia, and it is an awesome honor and privilege, as it is every day, to have you. Our international friends gather around as we talk about our favorite things in the world movies and movie news, TV and streaming, and all sorts of good stuff. Joining us here today, sitting over here, is one Mr. Robert Meyer Burnett. Sitting over there, of course, as always, is Ray Ora. Right beside him is producer Jonathan Boyko. Lurking in the dark in the shadows behind him is Taylor. Beside them, of course, it's a Tuesday and Aaron Cummings and Joey Bishop are here.
0: How are you guys?
1: Welcome back from Texas.
0: We are great and excited because tonight is my episode of FBI Most Wanted. That's awesome. And yes. What, which and network, Nancy, is that, on? that what? is on one of the networks, which we will look what did you do? and find out. Uh, what did I do?
2: Yeah. Why are they after you?
0: We can't give it away. Spoilers. Yes, no spoilers, no spoilers, but uh, you will be seeing me cry. It's a very sad, weird episode. FBI Most Wanted tonight, and Nancy Drew is coming up this week. So lots of Aaron Cummings, more than you could ever imagine, even more than MrSkin.com.
1: And there's a lot of Aaron on MrSkin.com. Oh, yeah. All right. And guys, most importantly... You guys are here joining us here today, and we are so glad that you are, and here's how today's show is going to go. We're going to break it into two parts. In the first main part of the show, we're going to talk about some predetermined topics, and later in the show, if you are one of our channel members, first of all, thank you for being a channel member, but we will be throwing up a post in the community section where you can fire in questions for the show, and we will address those in the second half of the show. All right. With that all down, guys, we've got a bunch of things to get here to today, so we're going to start off with a couple of off-the-tops, and our first one is this. Now, one of the most psychotically out of nowhere popular things to hit streaming is every once in a while you get these squid game, you know, that kind of came out in there. Nobody expected that. But another one that was and continues to be one of the most popular things ever to hit Netflix is the Tim Burton Wednesday series, which people have fallen in love with. Like everybody, did you see even the one competitive uh, figure skater did the Wednesday dance? Oh yeah, hits? I saw that. Mm, you saw mm-hmm. that, which is like, I mean, that's it's crazy how that's going. So pure bonafide hit for Netflix. You know they're moving ahead. Well, wait a minute. There hasn't been any announcement for season two. Why is there not been an announcement for season two? Well, because according to a report in Forbes, it could be, could be, that's an interesting screen. Yeah, uh, could be that. They're going to be doing a move and maybe going over to Amazon. Now, what Netflix or what Forbes basically lays out is here's the thing. You'd be wondering, why hasn't the season two already been greenlit? Why hasn't a season two been announced? Well, one of the things that Forbes points out is the fact that Netflix does not produce the Wednesday series. Wednesday is produced by MGM which if you've been following the John Campus show for any period of time now, you know that MGM recently got bought up by a certain little company, a little mom and pop operation called (laughs) Amazon. And Amazon made it known right away that not all the content we produce with MGM is going to go to Amazon. We're also going to shop it out and make revenue that way too. And one of those shows went over to Netflix. So now they have a situation where... Forbes is wondering if the insane success of the first season has made Amazon play a little bit of hardball with Netflix and take one of two approaches. Either approach number one, you know what? We're just going to take it back. We're going to take it back now that, thank you Netflix for making our show so popular. We're now going to take it on back and put it on Amazon Prime. Thank you very much. That's one option Forbes suggests. The other suggestion that Forbes puts forward is that, they may now play hardball with Netflix and say, hey, great, licensing deal just went up, bud. Now, this is all predicated on the question about whether or not Netflix had a multi-season deal or whether they were playing it, you know, a month-by-month rental situation, like a a year-by-year rental situation. And that is the answer to that is something that Forbes does not have. But it becomes extremely interesting here, Rob, with a show that, Global was an absolute massive global smash hit for Netflix, sat at the top of their number one trending things for longer than almost anything else they've ever had. And now Forbes is talking about the fact that Amazon could very well take them back. Now, Forbes also suggests, Rob, that they think the way this does end up is that there will be a season two on Netflix with Netflix having to pay Amazon a much bigger chunk of change. But the possibility still exists that we could see a Wednesday on Amazon. Anyway, you read about this. What's your takeaway from it?
2: Well, it's hard for me to believe that they didn't sign a deal, a potential deal for multiple seasons because, you know, they they did make the series. It's it's different if they're just going to make a pilot, you know, but even pilots, I mean, Aaron could probably speak to this, but if you make a show, a series, especially a streaming series, especially a Netflix streaming series, the idea is that it's at least going to run for three seasons. That would be the hope. So there's got to be some kind of, I would imagine built in to the deals, the potential to do that. I mean, they can always cancel the show as well, but it would be silly to make a show, especially based on a previously existing IP and not, not make deals for the three years.
1: Well, let me ask you this question. Let's go back six months and you and I are, are sitting down and I pose to you the question. I think we all agree that uh, if a show, if a network is going to pick up a show, they're going to probably have a minimum of a three year thing. But if I were to say to you, Rob, if there was one network, if there was one company because of their history and their track record that you could see not signing a deal like that, (laughs) would we not have said Netflix is the one that probably Mm -hmm. wouldn't?
2: Yeah, I mean their stock price and the position that Netflix has been in the, and their
1: history of canceling shows early.
2: The falling fortunes of 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 Netflix, sure. Sure. However, this did have Tim Burton. It is an IP that they got behind. I think the the premise the the, the show's delightful. And I think with the creative talent there's a reason they greenlit it in the first place. But then again, John, you know, uh, there's so much wacky stuff going on in the industry right now. Maybe they didn't. And I'll be honest Sucks with you. Sucks to be
1: them if that's the case. N- Wednesday, or Wednesday may have been based on a pre-existing IP. I don't remember hearing anybody saying it was going to be a massive hit. There were a number of people thought no. it would mm-hmm. be good, Everybody, but I don't know. Anybody thought it was going to be a big hit. Everyone was dubious about it. I mean, we
2: we liked it here. We were saying, "Yeah, it oh, looks good. But I have to tell you, I, I watched it all. I loved it. You know, I thought it was a lot of fun. Uh, the the I even recognized some of the dance moves she stole from Susie Sue for her dance and she even <laughs> love
0: said Susie Sue reference. Wow
2: Hey that well not hey, that wasn't me. that was our the stalwart uh, uh, she talked about how she didn't work with the choreographer that she had to design the dance herself, so she looked at all of these goth singers and oh, she, she um, brilliant announced Susie Sue as one of her primary chief influences.
1: love it.' I'm telling you. And I think ultimately here, I mean, I, I agree. I think ultimately Wednesday stays at Netflix. I don't yeah. think Netflix can afford to let this thing. It would be a very bad look on Netflix for them to let it go. Might end to cost them a little bit more. Anyway, Aaron, you've been involved with a lot of pilots, mm-hmm. a lot of uh, you've been in a number of shows that did one season and stuff like that. You read this story. Do, do you do you see how this could play out? Do you have a thought about how this could play out?
0: Well, you know, I mean, for a show to leave its home network and go to another network is Totally not uncommon. I mean, we've all seen it. Whether it was, um, I mean, Lucifer. I'll just talk about a couple of shows that I was on. Lucifer was originally on Fox, and then it moved over to Netflix. Netflix acquired it and it had great success because they were already having success from airing the um, the, the the reruns of the, the show or the, the, the new seasons. seasons. Yeah, um, All Rise went from ABC over to Oprah's own network. You have Brooklyn Nine Nine, um, uh, Arrested Development. Um, A lot of shows will have success in one network. And then at a certain point, that network, I kind of feel um, it seems like they run its course with their core audience. But then another network goes, well, wait a minute. Our audience loves that. Nashville is a great example. It was on, I think, uh, NBC or something. And then it ran its course with NBC. But then CMT, the country music station, they were like, this is our t- target You know audience's show, so they picked up the show. The difference there is that normally that's when a show is waning, or a show gets cancelled on one network and then gets immediately picked up by another network. This is a rare occurrence where a show is at the height of its popularity, and all of a sudden, there's now an opportunity for another network to acquire it, which is so rare and only in a situation like this, um, where you have this deal that was kind of being done uh, in the midst of this show being developed. Another thing that might come as a surprise to people is being like, well, wait a minute. This isn't a sh- but this was on Netflix, so why isn't this a Netflix show? It's completely uncommon. You know, every time that I audition for anything, anytime that an audition, an actor auditions for anything, the director and the producers choose them. But you also have to get network and studio approval, meaning that an actor may get approval from the network, CBS, but the but the the studio that's producing that show, maybe Sony, says, no, we don't really like that actor. We've worked with them before and, you know, we don't really appreciate, we don't like them. And so then the studio might not approve you. So there's always a lot more uh, players in the game. This with um, Amazon now being in a position to acquire a show that, already is a massive hit I mean honestly if I wanted to be a Richard and I worked at Amazon Mm -hmm. I would absolutely take this show and be like buy Netflix because that's their that's their primary competition however if I'm Netflix I am backing up the money dump truck and saying whatever we need to do to keep this and you guys are right on the money saying Nobody knew what a hit this was going to be. Oh, yeah. yeah. Nobody knew and there was no way to know. Um, and so hindsight is always twenty twenty in this game. But I don't blame them for not securing a long-term deal. And I also don't blame them for putting all the cash they have into securing this. All right, guys. The question is
1: for you. What do you think about this? Did you watch Wednesday? Were you a fan of the show? Even if you didn't, what do you think about the possibility of maybe it's staying on Netflix, which I think is the most likely scenario here, but the specter that maybe Amazon could pull it back? I don't know. Whatever you guys think, jump down to the comment section below and leave your thoughts there. All right, guys. With that down, let's do another off the top here, and uh, that is this. Under the category of crazy drama... Now, House of the Dragon came out this year, which had some skepticism surrounding it. You know, there there were some foolish, blind people that did not like the way Game of Thrones ended. I did, but a lot of people didn't, and that's fine. And so there was some skepticism going into House of Dragon, a lot of doubting Thomases. And then the show came out, and I thought it would be good. I didn't know it would be great. And that show came out and just rocked it week after week for the entire run of the first season. It was incredible. I still am at a little bit of a tug of war about whether I think House of the Dragon or Andor was the best new show of the year. I lean towards House of the Dragon. But anyway, with all the success and the big numbers and the high critical praise and the audience is loving it, in August came a weird bit of news that Miguel Shapotnik decided that he was leaving the show the showrunner was going to leave the show and just walk. And he said, you know, at the time the reports were, I've been working on Game of Thrones material for a lot of years now. It was two years for us getting this thing up and running. And I'm just ready to do some more creative efforts. And and the report at the time was that that Miguel had a first look deal with HBO and he was going to continue to work with HBO and make new content and all this kind of stuff. Well, there was a report coming out of the puck today that there was a lot more drama going on behind the scenes that it was actually got real messy and a lot of drama. This is what the folks, let we go to my screen on this, this is what the folks over at the puck reported. They said this. When HBO House, the Dragon co-showrunner and pilot director Miguel Sapochnik announced that he, to announced his surprise yet totally amicable exit in August, <laughs> he left with a very nice first look deal for future projects. I wouldn't bet on those happening, writes the Puck. It was never reported, but Sapochnik bailed after a protracted standoff over his wife and her involvement in the show. Alexis Rabin was a credited was a credited producer on season one and had appeared in a couple of episodes as an actress, <clears throat> four episodes to be specific. But when Shapotnik uh, requested that she be included on his and co-show runner Ryan Condal's producing team for season two, HBO politely said no, citing her inexperience, according to two sources close to the show. HBO declined to comment. It was a whole blow up and HBO even even brought in a moderator to try to de-escalate the situation. Uh, Sapachnik ultimately decided he couldn't work on House of the Dragon after his wife was essentially told to stay home, bailing on the show and leaving millions of dollars on the table. Uh, he then fired his agents at WME and went to CAA with his wife. So, according to the Puck, uh, they're saying that The guy said, I want my wife more involved. And they said no. And he said, well, we're going to do it, or I'm going to walk. And they said no. And they brought in a mediator. And they couldn't work it out, and he decided to walk. Now, look, none of us doing this show or watching this show, unless Miguel's watching, (laughs) actually know what happened. We don't know the reasons Miguel thought his wife, is a true creative partner on this show and absolutely deserves a producer's credit. We don't know if HBO was like, no, she didn't do squat and add a courtesy to you. We gave her a credit before, but we are not making her one of the executive producers on this show for next season. Like, we don't know. Let's just say that right up front. None of us know the answer to that, okay? Because I know some people are going to look at this story and I admit this was my first thought. I thought, damn, Diva. It's like, oh yeah, you won't let me... uh, just attach wherever I want to attach. You won't let me put my wife on in a big, well then I'm taking my ball and going home. That being said, when I thought about it a little bit more, I thought, well, you know, if in his eyes, his wife was creatively that involved and she deserved to have that producer credit. And even if she didn't, you know what, as a husband, Respect for standing by your wife. Mm-hmm. I mean, don't, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying HBO was wrong for saying no. If you don't think somebody deserves to be an executive producer or a producer on your show, you don't say yes. I have no problem with HBO saying no. Again, not knowing all the facts. So by no means is me saying, hey, if Miguel is standing by his wife, respect. I'm not saying that makes HBO wrong. Not at all. But if if Miguel felt that strongly about it, than to say, yeah, I could collect a check for millions of more dollars or I can show my wife, my partner in life, that I'm going to be 100% supportive of her and I'm willing to walk. Good on you. Good on you. It It does, unfortunately for us as fans, it does suck, though, that this created a situation where one of the main creative forces behind this show that was so bloody good is not going to be there next year because of it. And that sucks and it's unfortunate. Anyway, Rob, you heard about this story. You read the comments. I don't know. What's your takeaway from this?
2: Well, she was a producer. So the question that I have is you don't just get to be a producer on a show. You have to have some kind of a contract. You know, they're not throwing on HBO TV shows willy-nilly producers. They do that on independent films all the time. My girlfriend, I'm going to give you money. You have to give me and my girlfriend a producer credit. That happens. But not on an HBO show that's a sequel or a prequel to a show that they've made. So it might've come down that she could have been a terrible pain in the ass, to the rest of the team or whatever. But when he fires his agents over it, that leads me to believe that there was a contract that due diligence wasn't done. Cause what do we always say on the show, John, you don't get what you deserve. You get what you negotiate. And when it comes to producer credits on a TV show, you better damn well have a, have a great negotiating power and your your team has to have taken care of you because that contract is essential especially on a show like house of the dragon because it's a sequel to one of the most successful tv shows of all time so uh, it would lead me to believe that maybe they wanted to cut costs who knows but the fact is she was a producer on the first season there's a reason why hbo didn't want her there on the second season but there should have been an ironclad contract that you point to and go here it is. But that contract clearly wasn't as ironclad as anyone would have thought because that's why he fired his agents. All right.
1: Uh, it's an interesting his, perspective. His agents,
2: his agents are there to make sure that he has or she has. I, I and Again, this is speculation. Oh, yeah. We're all, we're all no speculating. Idea. Pure speculative. But if you're, yeah. And I don't know. Maybe she was just an associate producer, and maybe it was, in fact, a credit that they gave her based on her performance. But there's a reason why she got the credits. Was she credited producer in the opening titles? I don't know. Maybe she was just given an associate producer credit, but hey, man, she clearly didn't have what she needed to survive. And I, I, I you know what, Sapochnik, Miguel, good for you, buddy.
1: Take a stand. He'll get another job. Aaron, you, uh, you read about this. I, I mean, listen, I'll be honest with you. Back in September, I had somebody that we know reach out to me when we were talking on the show about that, uh, you know, Miguel left and it's all good and blah, blah, and got back to me and said, actually, I've heard there's some drama going on behind the scenes. And it's one of those things that I just dis- dismissed. Right. But I-, I mean, maybe there was. Anyway, Aaron you hear about this. I don't
0: know. What's your take on it? You know, I I'm... I'm- totally with rob on this you don't just give someone for them to say that she doesn't have the experience to be a producer on season one she didn't have the experience i mean on season two excuse me she didn't have the experience to be a producer on season one yet she's credited on imdb with being a producer in every single episode of the season so clearly she got that experience on the show. So somehow but we they don't had, know if she
1: actually did anything
0: that, right? but that's, but, but it doesn't matter whether or not she did anything. The, what, what we're talking about is that he wanted her to have the credit for season two for what he perceived as the contribution that she had already made and would continue to make. We don't know about the conversations that they had behind the scenes. The fact that they are husband and wife, we don't know what, you know, ideas she had that she suggested to him that he incorporated into the story that made the story that much better. And that is what happens in a relationship. I've dated writers. I've dated showrunners. And we've had conversations. I have admittedly never had any of my ideas make it to screen because I am <laughs> not a good Showrunner, um, which is why I don't get paid for that. But the reality is that we don't know what her contribution was. Clearly, he felt strongly enough about it to risk his entire. Not just his job, but his career, knowing that one day the, this story may get out and the fact that, like Rob said, he was willing to leave his entire team over it. I think there's a lot more to this story that now that the now that Pandora's box has been open, I think it's be really interesting to hear what comes out next about this. All right, guys.
1: Question is for you. What do you think about this? Apparently there was a lot of drama going on behind the scenes. And this could be one of those situations where somebody was trying to screw somebody else over. Maybe both of them were right. I mean, unfortunately led to a circumstance where they couldn't work together anymore. And ultimately we're the ones that are going to have to pay the price for it because we're not going to have the same creative team making season two. And maybe it'll work out. Maybe it won't. Whatever you guys think about this, jump down to the comment section below and leave your thoughts there. All right, guys with that down Let's now move on and take our daily Mint Mobile hotline question of the day. If you guys have a question for the show and like to hear your voice on our show as well, just go ahead and call our Mint Mobile hotline anytime at 951-268-4259. And Ryan Reynolds will personally make sure that we get your message. Today, the <laughs> question comes in, it's getting more relevant all the time about, should Marvel start using a previously on segment? Hey, John and crew, is it time for the MCU to have a
3: previously on segment before their movies? Thinking about Wanda's jump from in-game into Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, I can't help but feel that people who weren't in tunely entrenched with WandaVision, or even people who haven't watched it in a while, could benefit from a previously on segment. Personally, I don't think it would bother me leading
1: into the movies, especially followed by the intro title for the Marvel. I don't know, let me know your thoughts. All right. Thanks a lot for sending that in. And you know what? Here's the thing. I've said for a long time, other than the fact that they made great movies, one of the things most responsible for the continued incredible success of the MCU and Marvel was that Kevin Feige always made sure that nothing was a prerequisite for you to come in and watch a new Marvel movie. Like, you literally, for no Marvel movie for the longest time, did you ever have to watch something else first before you could watch new? Every single Marvel project was a valid entry point into the MCU. So it made sure that new fans could always jump on board. And that was the brilliant thing. You could walk in and watch Guardians of the Galaxy, having never watched an MCU film before, and you could be fine. I literally know somebody who watched Infinity War as the first MCU thing they ever watched, and they were able to, I mean, yeah, some of the nuances went by them, but it didn't matter. The basic gist of the movie, they totally got it, were able to enjoy it, and moving ahead. The problem is, with shared cinematic universes, the more and more you have them intertwined, that becomes more and more difficult as time goes on. And we've seen examples of this, but the person who called in is absolutely right. No more of a place is that more obvious than in Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Because people who didn't watch the series one division are probably going into that a little bit cold and then going, wait a minute, what? <laughs> when is this when did Wanda go evil? Well, didn't you watch One Division? No. And as we move forward in the MCU with all now the backstory and all the stuff going on, they're trying to build on things. And as they add the ad the is this of this BS multiverse nonsense, it's going to become more and more difficult for a project to be an entry point for new fans and new viewers. With that being said, are they right? When some people suggest like our caller and says, you know what? The MCU could start benefiting from a television shows previously in the MCU and have the, like after the Marvel credits roll, even before the the Marvel, dun, 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 before that, use the very first thing on screen previously. And you show a quick 90 second recap of some of the events of WandaVision or something or Ant-Man one or two leading into quantum or, or whatever. And then screen go black, bum, 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 bum. And then the Marvel thing comes up. Could the MCU start benefiting from that? I have two thoughts. Number one, absolutely it could. I think for a lot of people, because I've spoken to, I'm sure you have spoken to many people that went in and watched Doctor Strange, the Multiverse, and Madness that did not watch watch WandaVision because they didn't have Disney Plus or whatever. And that was a little bit confusing. Maybe a little bit of that previously on could have benefited that. So yeah, I agree. I, I think that is something that could benefit. However, I have one other thought. My worry about a previously on is that when I'm watching a TV show, like for instance, listen, when I would watch supernatural and it would say, you know, the road so far, you know, previously on supernatural. Right. And they show this demon character that they, they had talked to in season three. I'm like, well, I guess that demon character is showing up this week, like the previously on can inadvertently kind of spoil Something that's coming up in the movie. And if they had done a previously on with WandaVision going into Dr. Strange's Multiverse Madness, people who sitting there are going, Oh, well, I guess Wanda's going bad here. And that that twist when she reveals to Doctor Strange that she's actually the baddie here, I mean, that gets lost. So, Rob, I see two different ways of this. I can absolutely see the advantages of it as more as the MCU gets more and more convoluted to help people come into a new movie, but there is the risk there that just showing a previously on can help people telegraph some spoilers that are coming at the movie. I don't know. What do you think about the idea of a previously on segment prior to the start of a new MCU?
2: I agree with you. Something like that could be beneficial, but here's why it can never happen. Because if you were to go back and go previously, you know, on WandaVision, every single scene that happened in that movie, you'd have to pay for every actor that is shown from WandaVision gets paid for their movie appearance. You can't do it. Because you, you uh, unless, of course, they had some deal that they made where they could make a separate bit. But if it's attached to the movie, that's an appearance. You have to pay every one of those actors again. You have to pay for the footage. You have to pay the directors. You have to pay for everything. And if you did, there's nine episodes of WandaVision. That could cost millions of dollars. Because it's considered reuse. And it's it would be something that you would have to go. And I don't know. Again, it's... It's not what you deserve, but as a TV actor, suddenly, hey, my character that's on FBI's Most Wanted suddenly is in the FBI Most Wanted movie, and they're going to show clips of you.
0: Yeah, yeah. Let's go to the club. I'm getting paid. Yeah.
2: <laughs> no, th- 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 right I don't, mean to, be, I don't mean to be glib, but, but they do have to do that because it's considered <laughs> reuse. And if you're going to use, I mean, even SAG rules, if you have a, uh, an actor who comes on and delivers their... You know, great Wandavision line. Like if Paul Bettany gives some great line his Vision in that preview, but bam. I mean, everybody gets the DGA, the WGA, PGA, whatever. The PGA. People are getting hey. pe- people are getting paid.
1: Um, Aaron, you're in an interesting <laughs> position here because a couple of years ago, when you and I started talking about maybe you coming on and doing be more regular on the show here, one of the things that I I told you, I said, okay, but I have homework for you you have to watch all these MCU movies and get caught up as somebody who had that kind of an experience <laughs> recently,
0: he would literally make me come over to it. He was like, you yep. and Tom are coming over tonight and tonight we're watching this movie. And,
1: and then this movie. Yep. I, had to get I he caught literally, up to he said,
0: you can't come on the show unless you do this homework. And so I, I did. And I, and now I'm a big fan. And, and as somebody who went through that experience,
1: what, which gives you a little bit of a more unique perspective than us. Like, do you think the idea of, as a television actress yourself, that a previously on sort of thing could be beneficial? Could it be problematic? I don't know. What do you think?
0: I actually um, I think that this is a wonderful idea, <laughs> obviously, for the re- selfishly, for the reasons why Robert just said, because I want that money. But also, more importantly, for someone like me who has the memory of an aunt, um, I I appreciate when I get a little bit of a snippet. Not, And I think that if it was done by the producer, by the creators of the movie, it would be done in a completely different way. On the previously on for television, I think it's kind of a an afterthought. It's just like, a, oh yeah, let's just like throw a few things together, and it's not really cobbled into how the story is going to be told. I think that it would be done for a movie with a much more um, specific lens. I e, is this going to be a spoiler for what we're doing uh, for the story that we're telling? Or is this just going to give a little snippet as a reminder? I personally watch all of the previously ons, even if I saw the episode just last week, because I like a little primer. I like to have a quick catch up like, oh, right. It sets the tone. It reminds me. okay, right. Yeah, that happened. That happened. That happened. Okay, now I'm ready to go. Almost as if I were watching it episode by episode, like you know, as if I were binging it. So for me to go into a movie, especially with the catalog of 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 things that go on in this world, I would love to be able to go, oh, okay, right, Um, and we don't have to show the entire thing. We're not showing the entire season of WandaVision. We're showing one quick scene where Wanda is getting really pissed off. Then we go, oh, right, Wanda's mad. Got it. Done so I don't necessarily think it would cost as much as my wonderful colleague is talking about. I think that there's a way to do it that's economical in the way that you really feature the actors who are already going to be in the movie in the previously on. I think there is an economical way to do it. But for people like me who like a little bit of a primer just to be in that world and caught up, it would be very beneficial.
4: I think they ought to just start every single one should
2: start from Iron Man 1. We should just binge all
0: the movies leading up to it.
2: You know, I was thinking there is a way they could do it. They could probably make trailers like a previously on trailer because trailers are considered. And again, oh,
0: yeah, I would love that.
2: We're getting into the weeds here, but like you could do for each upcoming Marvel movie, they could make a previously on trailer as long as it wasn't a part of a movie itself. And you could play that specific trailer because it could it would fall under promotion.
0: Oh yeah.
2: You know, and, and you could do it and, and as long as it was not attached to the film itself and it became its own thing because it's promoting, you know, and, and now available on Disney Plus. You know, they could they could they could do it that way. It just couldn't be
1: attached to the film itself. You know who
4: could do but the it. But pre- it could be as a trailer. You know who could do it.
1: <laughs> uh, but but to your point, we have seen a lot of trailers lately where the first half of the trailer is footage from previous movies that lead into that. So that's an option, too. Guys, question is for you. What do you think about this? I mean, as the MCU gets more and more complicated and interconnected and kind of convoluted, do you think they should start maybe looking at having a previously on thing? What are the pros? What are the cons? I see both, to be honest with you. But whatever you guys think, jump down into the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys, we're gonna move on to our main topics now, but before we do, we're gonna take a quick second and thank one of the sponsors of our video today, our friends at HelloFresh. Guys, we wanna take a second to thank a sponsor of this video, HelloFresh. Guys, you know, me and my wife, Anne, are both working professionals, and so sometimes coordinating dinner time can be a real pain. But with HelloFresh, it makes dinner time fun, easy, and nutritious. With HelloFresh, you get farm-fresh, pre-portioned ingredients, and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Skip those trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. And that's why HelloFresh is America's number one meal kit. Now, guys, we've all got New Year's resolutions and New Year's goals and HelloFresh is here to help you achieve them. Get the grocery store and take control of your time and budget with delicious recipes delivered right to your door. With HelloFresh, you get fast and fresh recipes. HelloFresh's latest line of meals featuring robust flavors and filling portions are ready in less than 15 minutes. Enjoy taste and quality done quick with recipes like falafel power bowls, seared steak and potatoes with Bernays sauce, or southwest pork and bean burritos. So guys, go to HelloFresh.com slash k campia21 and use the promo code campia21 for 21 free meals plus free shipping that's hellofresh.com slash campia21 and use the promo code campia21 and thank you to our friends at hellofresh for sponsoring this episode of the john campia show all right guys with that down let's now move into our main topics and how do we select our main topics on the show we're that simple you guys come up with our main topics. See, whenever you come across a big topic issue or story that you guys feel we must include as a main topic on the show, just go anytime, 24-7, over to www.thejohncampiashow.com slash contact. Once you guys get there, you're going to see a form. Fill it out with your topic or question. It's absolutely free. Hit submit, and then maybe, just maybe, you might see your submission featured as a main topic here on The John Campia Show. With
0: that down, Aaron. What is our first main topic today? Notorious Frank writes in and says, "Hey John and Happy New Year to you and the crew. I remember you talking about cinema, Cineworld, excuse me, maybe selling off Regal Cinemas to AMC last month. I just saw that Regal and Cineworld are now saying that they're not looking to sell off pieces of the company, but rather the company as a whole. What do you think about this and what do you think and who do you think could buy them?"
1: All right, Notorious Frank, thanks a lot for sending that in. And yeah, you guys will remember First of all, uh, as a result of the pandemic, which we are still feeling the effects of, and we said that as the as the pandemic was starting to come to and said, listen, we're still going to feel the effects of it for quite a while. Cineworld, the world's second largest theater exhibitor company, only behind AMC, owners of Regal Cinemas as well, went into bankruptcy. And we talked about how AMC theaters approached some of the creditors of Cineworld and Regal, To inquire about maybe purchasing Regal off of Cineworld, maybe purchasing a number of the Regal cinema locations and all that kind of stuff. And it sounded like the negotiations stopped. Well, now more is developing and it looks like Cineworld wants to sell itself whole stock, like lock, stock and barrel. This comes just from the folks over at Variety who write the following. Regal owner Cineworld, the world's second largest movie theater operator, has denied reports that it had been in talks with AMC, the world's largest movie theater group, regarding the sale of its assets. Cineworld added that it intends to sell the group in its entirety rather than break it up. AMC last month said it was no longer in discussions to buy some of the theaters owned by Cineworld following initial talks with some lenders. So you might look like that Cineworld and AMC are saying conflicting things. No, AMC never said they talked with Cineworld. AMC was talking to some of the creditors. And Cineworld just said, yeah, no, they never spoke to us, but they want to sell the group in its entirety. Now, this is really interesting because it brings up a couple of options that are fun. Number one, a lot of people will ask, why doesn't AMC just buy the group outright? Well, the problem with that is I think that would never get by the government. I think that would then become a, a major monopoly. You cannot have the number one and the number two merging. I, I think that would be looked at as a monopoly. And I don't think, that, by the way, Canadians No, we've been living under a theatrical monopoly forever with Cineplex. And that is effed over movie fans forever because Cineplex sucks. Anyway. <laughs> um, so they have, they would have a complete monopoly and be able to, to do So AMC is not an option. But with the What was it called? The the Paramount Laws? Is that what they were called? Yeah. With the striking down a couple of years ago of the laws that prohibited studios from owning movie theaters, it creates some interesting scenarios. Could a Disney step in and buy Cineworld? Could an Amazon that could buy and sell Disney 30 times over, could an Amazon step in and buy Cineworld? Could... a a Warner brothers step in and buy Cineworld. These are all become very real possibilities again, because of the striking down the Paramount decrees. But the one thing that has always stood in the way, even once the Paramount decrees fell and studios would be allowed to own movie theaters that I've always told our viewers that say, Hey, why does Disney buy like AMC or all that kind of stuff is this because the studios don't want to be in the movie theater business. Mm -mm. They are more than happy to let those suckers run the theaters and make money for them because they know that running a movie theater is a razor-thin margin business. And they know that because they've been taking advantage of the movie theaters for decades to keep those margins real as razor-thin as possible. And take the money. They don't want to own movie theaters. They simply don't. But they could. And that's a possibility. Here's the other fun thing. The other fun thing is this. I'm going to go over here. Give me one second here. In a second here, I'm going to want to go to, our, to my screen. Uh, Jonathan, not quite yet, but in a second. Here we go. Okay, so I'm going to look up Cineworld uh, market cap. All right? Okay, go ahead and bring up a thing. Look at the value of Cineworld's market cap right now. Hmm. $50.6 million. Yeesh. That's not for one location. Wow. The
4: stock is three and a half cents.
1: And by the way, the stock today started at nine cents. Oof. Earlier this morning, the stock was at nine cents. To right now, a few hours later, it is three cents. In 2019, it was $10. Imagine sitting on Cineworld stock at $10 a share to have it go down to three cents. This is movie pass kind of stuff. So I bring up this not to bash on, say, look, they, they've had some struggles. They're doing the best they can. This the, the pandemic affected a lot of industries, few as hard as the movie theater going industry. But I bring this up simply to point out that that's at rough. a market cap valuation of 50, $50 million. Wow, that's rough. And I'm sure any purchase would have to be more than that. But it means that there are a lot of players on the table who could potentially... now. With the 50.6, taking over the company, you're also assuming any debts and liabilities. So yes, it's a much larger financial commitment. Absolutely it is. But it is much easier to contemplate buying a Sinworld today than it was a year ago. Hell, it's three times easier to think about buying them right now than it was three hours ago. And who knows, I might be buying it three hours from now, depending on how far down that stock goes. I mean, we'll see. So, Rob, let me ask you this. Could you see a scenario here? Because, look, there's a lot of money we still have to put on the table, not as much as a little while ago, but a lot of money would still have to be put on the table, all that kind of stuff. Could you see a player like an Amazon who is been tipping their hand the last year or two showing they do they want to double down and getting involved in entertainment they've shown a commitment to theatrical all that kind of an amazon a disney a paramount a HBO, universal i mean could you see a player like that or could, could you see maybe a, a slightly more healthy cinema chain maybe one of the number three number four number five cinema chains acquiring it i don't know what do you see happening here
2: dude it's rough man i look at that and that's brutal um here's the thing right now we have seen In the last month, we've seen something very interesting happening in the entertainment business. You had, well, actually the last six months, you had high profile creators making movies like Amsterdam, Babylon, Steven Spielberg making the Fable of the Fablemans. Uh, These movies aren't making money. James Cameron rolls along and he's got Avatar that's making all the money, but it takes him four and a half years to make one of those movies. And they've been talking about the danger in the exhibition business that, People are only going in to see spectacles, but there's only so many spectacles to go around. The studios, how many hundred million or two hundred million dollar movies can you make a year? And the problem is that the exhibition business is in the dire straits that it's in because there's just not enough movies that people are going to see to keep them. You know, you've got either Smile or Avatar 2. That's what people are going to see. All these other movies are not the the the, the, the theaters are dying on the vine, man. They're only as good as the product they have to show. So I think, unfortunately, as long as I mean, Cineworld is Regal's parent company. Yes. At fifty million bucks, shit, man. If I had the money, I'd buy it right now. But uh, I, I, I just think that we're in a, we're in a place where we're still post-pandemic. I could see an Amazon coming along to do this, but why would they? Where's the profit going to come from? until we see that the business itself
1: that is supplying the theaters is healthier and there's more product out there. Well, and 2020 you and I have talked about this. 2023, hey, it's a looks to be a, a much better crop of films coming this year Agreed. and much more films than say last yeah. year.
2: And, and and we'll see I think that right now it's this business is in terrible exhibitions in a terrible place. But like we pointed out going to uh, uh CinemaCon, and there's a lot of great stuff coming out next year a lot of great movies that is i think is going to sustain the exhibition business if the exhibition business can get well we're already in the new year but even now you, what we've got you've got megan opening but you have to wait another month for quantum mania to come out hopefully that's Avatar, traditional though right yeah, like, like, true, in the but,
1: january months that's good at least kind of they have like three or four movies they dump in theaters be, it's going to be interesting to see how megan performs right actually like can it do i mean i don't think we should expect it to do smile numbers but can it do barbarian numbers can it do can, can it like have some traction success for a film
2: i mean, type that it is you know taylor is the the horror guy he goes Indeed. on to see he likes it you know and i would say that if horror movies are good you watch the trailer for that megan movie i mean i'm like oh i gotta see that like they've done a great job marketing that movie and they've got you know they've got girls at, at, dressed as megan at sporting at sport events games, and yep. all I think I think Megan's going to be kind of a viral hit, and I hope it is because I want to see exhibition continue.
1: Aaron, you see, like a a company like that, the valuations continue to drop. They want to sell the company off as a whole. I mean, you're saying you might want to wait to see how things recover, but once you do, the price of that's going to go, up. Gonna like, go way up. Like it is now is the time to buy if you're looking to buy a theater. Oof. Can you see somebody sweeping in and picking up Cineworld at
0: this point? Magic Johnson.
1: Imagine mean, Johnson a, could do it. <laughs> he
0: he. His his theaters are not. Uh, his, they're owned by AMC now. He doesn't actually own them anymore. He has the experience and he's got the money. So magic, come save Regal for us. Uh, no, it, I mean, yes, I can see. Amazon coming in and buying this, and yeah, maybe maybe it's a bad investment. What is fifty million to them? Not really a lot of money. Let's face it, fifty million dollars is a lot of money to any normal sane person, but fifty million dollars is not a lot of money for what you're going to get with this if you have a game plan of being able to move it forward. If you have a way of, you know, if you have a creative way of bringing people back into the theater, and I think that that's what it's going to take. Is it's going to take somebody that goes, okay, how can we reinvent the theater experience? Because, um, you know, you look at going to see a movie at um, the um, not the Pantages. What's the, place? the No, the on Disney uh, on Hollywood. El Capitan. The El Capitan. That is an experience. Experience. You go see a Disney movie and you are not just going to see a movie. You're seeing the show before. You're, you're you getting
4: numb legs. Cause getting numb stuff. legs because your are, knees are in your chin. you
0: suffer through those <laughs> miniature doll seats because of the experience. and You actually um, sit
4: on armrests.
0: <laughs> yes. Exactly, um, so I, I think that for for a company that wants to reinvent the multiplex experience, this could be an incredible an, uh, an incredible uh, in investment. However, if you're just looking to buy it and keep it the same old same old as every other movie theater, then no, like it, it's not worth the money because you're because Robert's right. There's just not the product that's bringing people in. Um, that t- that being said, every year things are changing. So this could either be a really dumb investment, i.e. Twitter, or this could be an incredible opportunity for some really forward-thinking, creative people with a lot of cash on hand to uh, reinvent the multiplex experience for the movie-going viewer. I'll tell you what, if Amazon were to come out and say, I, I don't care if it's, uh,
1: what's what's the name of the guy who owns Amazon again? or Jeff It's Jeff, yeah. Whether it's Jeff, or Elon or whoever comes out and says, we're or, or like whatever, and says, we're going to buy Cineworld. And here's what we're going to do. Now, first thing we're going to do, no commercials. We're going to do what Arclight used to do, three trailers, max. We're going to say every movie theater is a dine-in experience. We're mm, going yeah. to put in buttons on every seat. We are going to do everything we can do to enhance the moviegoers' experience at the movies. Yeah. We're going to do everything we can do, and we're going to invest a lot of money. We know it's going to take us five, six, seven years to see that back, blah, blah, blah. I will tell you what, I will start going to that place.
0: If I got to choose my own seats, if they had really good food that I had to, like you said, you know, uh, if, if I had the Alamo Drafthouse experience in a Regal theater, absolutely. If I got to have the reclining seats, if I knew that there would be people kicking out someone who's texting and talking on their phone. Yes. Yes.
2: You know, John, can I get an advance on my next paycheck so I can become a majority shareholder in Cineworld at that
1: price? Do I pay you enough that in advance on your next... (laughs) At Paycheck that price at that, that price, three cents? Yeah.
0: yes, Reverend sir. Robert, if you majority, have Robert,
2: a hundred right now and take it out, we can all become.
0: If you see. have a hundred dollars in your pocket, you could probably become. You majority majority I mean, like, today, like today, I'm not lying. I'm gonna show. buy some because why not? Like, why, why don't we all pull
1: our money in? We can this whole show. Can by way, the way, what's the name of the CEO of Cineworld? It's like it's like Marmaduke or something. Look that up. It's like, I hope it's Marmaduke. I really it's not let it be Marmaduke. No, it's like it's 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 like some kind, just look it up. It's a company. Okay. So, what, what is? It? Oh no, it's even more. Oh, uh, what is, I is it? I remember something like that, right? I can say this, Mookie. Yeah, Mookie. That's right. Oh. Grenadier. Yeah, so Mookie. Oh, love him. I we love bumped Mookie. into Mookie at Cineworld oh, Mookie, He's, yes. he, or at CinemaCon. He's gonna be at CinemaCon. Mookie, come on up to us. We've got the anyway, guys. Question is uh, for you. <laughs> Who do you think is going to end up owning Cineworld and Regal Cinemas and all that kind of stuff? Do you have an extra 20 bucks laying in your couch where you can become the <laughs> major shareholder of Cineworld right now? <laughs> what kind of house are you in? <laughs> <laughs> is, jump on down to the He's comments section below. you going to be checking your, your, your couch now when it comes over. Everybody's to the couch. Can't be a streaming. Clean up. And let us know your thoughts. All right, guys. With that down, let's move on to main topic number two, shall we? Aaron.
0: What is our second main topic today? Our second main topic comes to us from Ari. The Jeremy Renner situation just Uh. keeps sounding more and more serious. The first reports said his plow just ran over his leg. Now they're saying that he had massive chest injuries as well and had to have two separate surgeries and is still listed in critical condition. All our hopes and prayers for him and his family and a speedy recovery. Hawkeye forever.
1: Thanks a lot for sending that in Ari. Yeah. And so we, of course, talked on the show yesterday about um, Jeremy Renner had an accident. I have lived on a ranch. I, my dad would pull out the tractor and, and plow, uh, plow snow. And it, there are some dangers with that. And we don't know exactly what happened, but there was some kind of an incident. Nobody else was involved. And we knew Jeremy had some massive leg injuries, but apparently now it was also chest trauma. And uh, this comes to us from the folks. And now we got a little bit more information. This comes to us from the folks over at CNN who wrote the following actor. Jeremy Renner suffered blunt chest trauma and orthopedic injuries after a New Year's Day snow plowing accident. The spokesperson for the actor said Monday evening, Renner had surgery Monday and remains in intensive care unit in critical but stable condition. The spokesperson said. The Hawkeye actor has so far required two surgeries to address injuries he sustained in the accident. A source close to the actor previously told CNN, his injuries are extensive, they said. And again, that comes to us from the folks over at CNN. So we're getting a little bit more of a a better picture of his current condition. They're remaining not giving a lot of information, which is perfectly within their purview to keep it private right now. Uh, what we do know is that it was more than just his leg, which is not what we wanted to hear, just uh, injuries. They went in for two separate surgeries, but Hey, listen, uh, as somebody who's had family in the hospital and has had people had to go through when they're in surgery is the part that I'm always worried the, the mm-hmm. most. That's, that's the part when I'm holding my breath the most. Right. And I'm just speaking from my own personal experience. Uh, so it was great to hear that he came through the surgery obviously it's still concerning to hear that uh that he's still in critical condition but i mean you just come out of surgery of course you're going to be in intensive care and they're going to be keeping an eye on you but uh they're saying he's receiving great care right now and uh and our best thoughts and stuff like that I, i i want to share like one of my favorite experiences um doing my job that i've done over the past number of years was getting to spend an afternoon with jeremy renner um and actually, if you can bring up the, the screen there, uh, there it's like twins. We're, we're, we're like twins. Like um, uh, it's uh, that's also me. Forty five pounds ago. But you can be brothers. Yeah. I mean, I I mean, I mean Jeremy can be brothers. brothers, right? I mean, like twins, too. There we go. But we're brothers, he, uh, he came and met me at one of our yeah, this is yeah. back when I was still with AMC. And he came and met me at one of our uh, AMC theaters there. And he spent the afternoon there. And we were talking about his uh, Bourne movie, his Born Legacy movie. And he, he literally spent the afternoon there with uh, me and Dennis. And I'll tell you what, he was one of the most personable guys. Like, we would sit there and start talking. He, I mean, he's a big sports fan, too. He'd bring up sports. We'd talk about, like, whatever. Talk about, he'd talk about, what's your favorite movie this month? And, well, like, he's he truly loves the art. He loves movies. He's engaging. He's generous. Um, I mean, he's just uh, just really one of the most pleasant guys who's just loving his life. Like just loves his life. Right. And you see that you moved to Reno because you love nature and you you've watched him, if you follow him on social media, he he's very, very active and all that kind of stuff. And he's very hands-on. He's not one of these frou-frou guys is like, well, I'll get, you know, my one of my servants to come and shovel my driveway. Nah, I'll get out there myself. I'll get on my tractor. I'll, I'll plow my own driveway. Thank you very much. And, uh, man, I just really, we all just hope really for the best for him to, to come back with this. And we, Rob, you hear about the updates. It, the, it was more than just the leg, but he has gotten through the surgeries. What are your thoughts? This morning? Well,
2: I mean, that's the thing that you just summed it up. I mean, I, I love Jeremy Renner as a performer. Uh, obviously he was in the hurt locker, which won best picture the year it came out. Um, I've really found him to be an electrifying presence. Uh, he's got a great TV show on now. Um, oh, Mayor
1: of Kingston is fantastic.
2: It's mm-hmm. fantastic, and I, you know, it, it, it just, I, I feel terrible because, you know, he was just doing something that normal people do. He took it upon himself to go plow some snow as as responsible people do, and for something like this to happen, you know, I, I, I hate to say this, but I think about what happened to Anton Yelchin.
0: Mm.
1: Oh,
2: you know yeah, yeah. where he got pinned by this truck and it's just this these freak accidents that happen it just seems so unnecessary i mean it's an accident and what can you say i i just wish him and his family the best i i
1: you know it just it's terrible yeah it's it's weird i'm, I'm sitting, yesterday was a weird day because we heard about the jeremy renner accident uh, me and some friends and Ann, we went out to watch the football game last night and we're sitting in this restaurant watching this football game. And all of a sudden, this dude on the Bills just collapses, had cardiac arrest. Mm-hmm. They stopped the game, had to rush him to the... They had to bring out a defibrillator on the field. Then we heard... What was that one dude, that extreme sports dude? Uh, Ken Block. Yeah. Then we heard that he yep. just had a... What was a snowmobile? It was like, yeah, it was
4: like a snowmobile and it fell on top of him or something like that. He's, he's I think he's even from
2: the Inland Empire. I'm not sure, but... Uh,
1: yeah, which is you know where we are is in the inland empire. So then all of a sudden that came out and it was a really really weird day for here and stuff like that. But I mean again, just hoping the best. Aaron, you you heard about I mean the accident and uh, I I don't know what was your reaction to it when you saw it.
0: Um, well, just to touch on the Damar Hamlin incident, in the time since yesterday that's the
1: buffalo bills player by the way for people yeah, don't know in
0: the time since um he collapsed on the field his charity which gives toys to um underprivileged children has raised over four million dollars oh so if you are a, a, a fan and you want to help out in some way that's a pl- way to do it as far as jeremy renner i agree with rob i i have just thought he was mesmerizing and electric in 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 every performance i always think that he brings something um <clears throat> to his characters obviously a hurt locker is one that really elevated his presence to a lot of people and made people aware of him um i really loved him in um was it american hustle oh he was great in American. yeah hustle. was great in american hustle um i loved it, him in
1: the town that was my favorite yeah. performance of yeah. his <clears throat>
0: Yeah, he has he has that ability to play that, you know, Boston everyman character that uh, and he he just imbues that. And as far as speaking of uh, Mayor of Kingstown, the new the season two season two will start airing. They've already obviously completed filming on season two. That's going to start airing on January 15th. So for fans who maybe have not, you know, watched the show, they can start catching up on season one and see season two. It'll be interesting to see, obviously praying that he makes a recovery in whatever form that takes. It'll be interesting to see, uh, being that he is someone who loves performing so much, how, I mean, we've seen people do it in the past of how they take a horrific tragedy. I mean, look at the drummer for Def Leppard, you know, yeah. lost his arm. And one would think that's a career ending accident, a uh, freak accident, that the worst thing that could possibly happen to a drummer is to lose your arm. And then look what he turned around and did with it. Um, obviously you're absolutely right the surgery is the is is where so many things can go horribly wrong and we're praying that he gets out of ICU and is able to start his very long uh, road to recovery. Um, but I hope that in whatever way he chooses to come back and perform, he will continue to do so because he is a fantastic artist. I'm,
1: b- I'm glad you brought up uh, mayor Kingston. He also has a couple of shows he has coming, I think Renner world or something like that, that he's producing. Yeah.
4: With, uh, renovations. Uh, renovations.
1: Re- re- uh, that's it. Renovations mm-hmm. that he's producing with uh, Captain Marvel. Um, uh, Al, um, uh, Brie Larson. Brie Larson. Yeah. He's producing with Brie Larson. Uh, uh, by the way, also people meant like, um, wind river he was absolutely fantastic in i loved him by the way there's this little film that nobody talks about and there's probably good it was an okay movie it was an okay little comedy but he was so good in it do you guys remember the movie from a few years ago tag yeah oh yeah where mm-hmm. it's based on church he does, he's in it with ed helms and oh, john Oh,
0: yeah i didn't see that based on the i heard true it's really story
1: of this group of guy friends who've been playing an ongoing game of tag for 30 years it's it, it's actually a delightful little comedy. It really is. And Jeremy Renner is great in that too. Anyway, guys, question is for you. Uh, what are your thoughts as Jeremy Renner is now hopefully making a recovery following his surgeries about Jeremy's career, all that kind of stuff? Whatever you guys are thinking today, jump down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys. With that down, let's move on to
0: main topic number three, shall we? Aaron. What is our third main topic today? This is from Robert Dean, who says, Hello, John and friends. So another Netflix show, 1899, has gotten the axe. I feel like something's got to give here, guys. I don't understand why anyone in television would want to work with Netflix if they're just going to kill your show, even if it's positively reviewed. And I imagine fans could be up in arms before long as well. Will this cancellation policy ever change? Would love to know your thoughts. All right. Thanks
1: a for sending that in, Robert. And, you know, we were talking about this a little bit earlier, Netflix, which has gone from, thank you for calling Netflix, you're greenlit, to thank you for calling Netflix, you're canceled. Oh. Um, I mean, they, they, Netflix does have a, a reputation for pulling the trigger pretty quick on canceling series. Now, of course, we've also talked about in the past that they actually have reasons they do that, that streamers are not like average traditional television. Like after about three seasons, you may have high viewership on a show, but after about three seasons, sometimes even two, if you're a streamer, you're looking and saying, well, everybody who was going to sign up for our network to watch this has already signed up for it. Mm. Therefore we can't justify spending $15 million on this show going in. we need to spend that money on another show that will bring in new subscribers, things like that. Right. And it's it's a tough cutthroat thing maybe this ad supported tier thing will start to change that although we talked last month about the fact that it looks like netflix's ad supported tier is not off to a great start uh some really very sad numbers uh right now but whatever so anyway in the newest thing the producers of dark the showrunners of dark had this new series called 1899 and a number of you guys have written in to to talk about it and say how much you like the show well its first season is done And so is the show Uh, as it has been announced that the show has been canceled. Now, the showrunners themselves got on social media to let everybody know about this. And they said this. They said with a heavy heart, we have to tell you that 1899 will not be renewed. We would have loved to finish this incredible journey with a second and third season as we did with dark. But sometimes things don't turn out the way you planned. That's life. We know this will disappoint millions of fans out there, but we want to thank you from the bottom of our hearts that you were part of this wonderful adventure. We love you. Never forget uh, Bo and Yanti. So, yon I'm not sure how to pronounce his last name. So, that came for the showrunners. Okay. Look, the 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 first question that you asked in the email is, who would want to work with Netflix? Anybody who wants somebody else to pay for their show. <laughs> Which
2: is the entire entertainment business. Yes, yeah, right. Who
1: wants to work... Everyone wants to work with Netflix. I mean, I mean, there's a reason that you've got Ryan Gosling, Chris Evans, and Dwayne the Rock Johnson, even Ryan Reynolds, making content with Netflix. Everybody wants to work with Netflix. And also, here's a part of another thing: is that you can go to any network and be canceled after one season. Mm -hmm. It happens. Uh, Area I think D- Detroit was one season. Detroit 187 was one was season. season. Oh, you oh, know, uh, season. There was,
0: uh, Made in Jersey was two episodes. Did that yeah. only go two episodes? It was two episodes. We were literally in the middle of filming episode seven. And um, all of a sudden, like everybody's phones started going off saying, Made in Jersey canceled. And they were like, and action. We're like, <laughs> we're, we're just, we just yeah. We so I mean, at least they got a full season. I mean, when you're working on one of the networks, they just chop your Sorry, I was oh about to say something terrible. Um, <laughs> no, uh, you? They, they'll just, you know, end your show right then and there and just start carting the lights off.
1: Yeah, I mean, so it happens. It happens with with streamers. It can happen with with the network. That's just it. And yeah, someone won't go. Now, let's not act like everybody who has a show to make has 30 networks coming, banging on their doors, dying to give them money. No, it ain't. Like even Star Wars, George Lucas had to knock and get turned down by six or seven places before Fox finally said, okay, we'll make this little star opera of yours. I mean, that's just the reality. So it's going to happen. And then, you know, with shows like every once in a while, you're going to get a show on Netflix, like Stranger Things, that does break that third season barrier, fourth season, fifth season. I mean, it can happen. So everybody wants to work with Netflix. But again, just because a show is positively reviewed, networks are not charities for creative people. And that's the thing. A lot of us as fans sometimes, and I admit I have acted like this myself. I think most of us have. That sometimes we think of networks as charities for creatives. That, well, you should just make it because. No, no, no. You got to show me how if I'm going to put, if I'm a studio, you got to show me how, if I put up like $30 million to make a season of the show, how that's going to make me money. But it's not going to make me money. Well, you should just make it anyway. Anyway. Oh, fuck you. How about you make it? How about you and your buddies go mm-hmm. and get together that Cineworld money and, and, and make this show for us? I mean, and that's the thing. And I don't know if a lot of people were watching 1899. And when I say I don't know, I mean that literally, I don't know if a lot of people watched it or not. I don't know if it triggered subscriptions for the series. For all I know, Netflix looked at the number and said, we've had zero subscription signs up from people who watched the show. Uh, we've had um, very little engagement with the show. And if that's the case, it doesn't matter if it's positively reviewed. That's when it's up to us as viewers and customers. We tell the networks what we want to see. And if they weren't seeing the results, then they got to spend that money on things that maybe do get results. I don't know. Rob, you hear about this. What do you think?
2: Well, just like you said, I mean. Because you saw this show. Yeah. And here's the thing. I really love Dark. And this this Dark, I thought, was Terrific. This show I thought was very intriguing. It's beautifully made. They made really great use of the volume. They 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 were pioneering some innovative ways to shoot TV.
1: Yeah, the biggest stage of its kind in Germany that they got this thing And
2: I the the problem that I had with this show was I just think it was slow. It was slow going and I can see a lot of impatient viewers. I mean, in our TikTok real world Mm. where you're flipping through ninety second real reels all the time, you better have a gangbuster's first episode. And I thought it was intriguing and beautifully made, but it was, it was slow going. Now, I don't have a problem with that, but look, let's face it. You've got, a, you've got an hour to hook people. And if that, you've got 10 minutes to hook people. And if they're not in, I mean, if this show was watched, Netflix wouldn't have canceled it. Do you think Netflix wanted to? They're like, Dark was a huge international hit for them. These guys were, they thought they were going to have the next Dark, you know, and they didn't. So it's not like Netflix wanted this to happen. They want their shows. They believed in the creators and they believed in the show. And it was not an inexpensive show to make. And um, I'm sure they're as bummed out as the fans
1: of the show. I'm sorry to see it go. Aaron, you know, you've had experiences working on longer running shows. One of my favorite shows of all time, actually, Spartacus. Mm. Um, You've also had experience with shows that lasted one season and got the... What is that experience like like for somebody who is a a creative you've obviously known a lot of the creatives that you've worked with you've been an actor on shows that lasted one season What's that like for the people involved there?
0: You know, I, I think that the best way I ever heard put it was by Michael Imperioli, who was the lead. He was the number one on the show that you mentioned um, on Detroit 187. And we were very disappointed when the show was canceled after uh, 18 episodes. And and we were all trying to we, we had fallen in love with living in Detroit and um, bringing a lot of attention to the city, positive attention at that time. And what he said, he sent everybody in the cast and crew a beautiful, email and said we had an opportunity to give 18 hours of programming to people to showcase this incredible city and It really made, it it switched my brain a little bit when it comes to the idea of a show being canceled because the reality is Rob's right. A network wants their shows to be successful. They don't ever want to cancel a show because then they have to pile all that money into finding a new show and developing a new show and hoping that that show works. No, they want to get a show like a Wednesday or like a Stranger Things, a show that immediately captivates an audience and then they can just go, oh, that's one show we don't have to worry about. That's what the network wants. They're not in the business of canceling shows. And the for a show to even be able to get where 1899 got, it defied the odds. It's really hard to get a script for a pilot even looked at to be made into a you know into a pilot. That already just to get someone to go, yeah, I'll put money into making that into a pilot is near impossible. And then to get that pilot greenlit for an entire season and then to have that entire season make it to air that almost never happens we only hear about it because we see it in the final product But the reality is that the grind to even get to where they are is defying all of the odds. So when you do see a show that even makes it to a season two, that is insane. So then to get further seasons, it's just it's almost like winning the lottery. So I see what I think would be great for this show is for the History Channel to pick it up. You know, this is a prime show for an, an, a, a network that has a niche audience like the History Channel to pick it up because it, it's a captivating concept. I
1: didn't even know History Channel was still around. Yeah, like are... Ancient alien shows. Yeah, and stuff I know. Like that. I know
0: that's where they were the place yeah. to develop the Yeah, And I think that that's maybe what we're going to see a little bit more of is sci-fi really showing shows, you know, having shows that are specific for their audience and the History Channel having shows for their audience and CMT having shows for their audience you know netflix might end up really just being an incubation ground and when they th- when they have their hit like their stranger things they keep it but when they go hey you know what we asserted this show it's got some great promise but it doesn't have the appeal for a mass audience you know we're gonna then sell it to you know another market or another network
1: guys question is for you Another one bites the dust. Uh, Netflix is canceled, 1899. Again, we we don't know if, even if anybody was watching, to be honest, a lot of people did like it though. How are you guys feeling about that? Did you watch the show? Whatever your thoughts are, jump down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys, with that down, let's move into our fourth and final main topic here today, shall we?
0: Aaron, what is our fourth main topic today? Ooh, here we go. This is gonna be exciting. Aaron G says, hey, guys, before New Year's, you guys did one of my favorite videos running down who you think could be the new Superman. I was hoping you'd consider doing another one, but this time for Batman. We know we're going to get a new Dark Knight in James Gunn's new DCU. So I wanted to know who you could see wearing the cowl next. Thanks. All right,
1: Aaron. Thanks a lot for saying that in. Now, look, I often recoil from the idea of, you know, ex-actor and ex-role things, primarily because... We don't read the script, right? You may think, oh, so-and-so would be perfect for this role. But if you actually read the script and you realize the way the character is going to be written in that movie, it's actually not a good fit for that actor. And right now, we don't know what is James Gunn's new Batman in the DCU going to be. We, We just don't know. And we don't know what kind of Batman that James Gunn wants to have. We don't know what the tone of that Batman is. Right now, we don't even know the age range for this Batman that they want. Now, there's Rob and I were talking about this before the show. There are two trains of thought. One train of thought is, well, since we know the Superman is going to be a younger-ish, like not a teenager, but you know, maybe in their mid to late 20s, maybe early 30s, early in their career, doing all that, uh, working at the Daily Planet, that maybe they might want to get a Batman that's of that same age range. But right now, Matt Reeves already has a younger Batman early in the stages of Batman's career doing that. So maybe James Gunn might want to go, you know, a little more seasoned, a little more older. They don't have to have Superman. But so th- there's certain there's different ways they could go with the age ranges, all that kind of stuff. So understanding and with the giant asterisks that without seeing the script, none of us can really say who would be a great fit for Batman because it all depends on what kind of Batman they want to make. But even with that said, who are the actors that we could see being the top contenders for being the DCU's Brand new Batman moving forward. So Rob and I have two lists. Here's the way I want to do it. Rob's going to give his list. I'm going to give mine. Then Aaron, I want you to point out maybe two or three of our our picks that really stand out to you. And maybe one or two dark horses that maybe we don't mention. Okay. So here we go. The first thing I want to do is give a little asterisk on this one, saying one name that is not on my list and I don't think on Rob's, but will be on a lot of people's lists. And that'll be the name of Carl Urban. A lot of people for a long time thought Carl Urban would be a great Batman. And at one point, yeah, probably Carl Urban would have been a great Batman. The, the problem with Carl Urban right now, and I love Carl Urban, he's been on my panel at Comic Con. I love Carl. He's great. But he is 50. I, I don't know that. And listen, 50 is the health. 50 is not even the new 40. 50 is the new 30. But is it? That's even good. at a very young 50, I don't know that you can start. It might be a little bit on the outside for starting a new franchise as Batman. So I'm so Carl Urban, as much as I love him, is not on my list. Okay, so let's look at a couple people who would be on my list. And the first person I'm going to mention here is one of my favorites from Supernatural, Jensen Ackles. Um, I, now, obviously, we just saw him do a turn as Soldier Boy. I think he's a terrific actor. I think he's got a Bruce Wayne kind of look to him. He does not look 44 years old. I mean, mean, you could tell me this guy was 37, 36. I would totally buy it. But on top of that, the dude has right now got himself in the, besides the the mountain man beard, he's got himself in the best shape of his life right now. Uh, So I think he's a terrific actor. I think he's wonderful. He's done the voice of Batman. Uh, in some animated stuff. I think he's absolutely incredible. So one of my picks, not my number one, and these are in no particular order except for my number one. But so the rest of these are no particular. So there's that. All right. Another guy that I think you consider as a Batman, because again, terrific actor, terrific performer, Tom Hardy. Mm-hmm. He, he's got a... <laughs>
0: <laughs> I think he'd be excellent. <laughs> strong actor. Strong, strong performer. Sure. Strong, strong actor.
1: actor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he is a world-class actor. A world-class performer. Yeah. Obviously, he's got, a, he's got a pedigree in the Batman world. He's played Bane before. He's got the physical size. He can bulk up even more. And again, most importantly, he's a world-class actor. He loves making his comic book films. He's done it in the world of DC before. He's now doing it in the world of Marvel with Venom. I think he could be a really good choice. I think he could be both a good, and by the way, that's another prerequisite for me. You've got to be able to be a good Batman and a good Bruce Wayne. And I think he could be both of those. So again, not my number one pick, but I would say somebody (laughs) along the lines of a Tom Hardy. Another guy that I would consider is a oh what's Dornan's first name? I keep forgetting. Jamie. The guy. Jamie. Jamie Dornan. I mean, look, I can hear it right now. A lot of people going Fifty Shades of Grey, boy. No, 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 <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> no, no, mate. Yeah, he, yes, he was in Fifty Shades of Grey. Yes, but if you <clears throat> saw the masterpiece that was Belfast. Last year, Kenneth Branagh's Belfast. Belfast, boy. Belfast, <laughs> boy. If you saw this dude in Belfast, you know this dude's got chops. This dude's got really, really good chops. And he is, he's in tremendous physical shape. He could pull off the physicality of a Batman. He's got a great look for that of a Bruce Wayne. He's got tremendous acting chops. I like Jamie Dornan. I like him a lot. My next pick is going to be a little bit of a controversial one because on yesterday's open mic show that we did, somebody asked me about the idea of Alan uh, Richson, who's of course in Reacher, maybe playing Superman. I said, "I, I don't know yet. I said, he's turning into a nice actor. I don't know if he yet has the chops to actually carry a movie on his very broad shoulders but I know if he can, from an acting point of view, he can carry movie as Kellel, Clark Kent. Okay, but I submit that playing Batman might be a little bit different. Half the movie, you're going to be wearing a cowl and talking in a very monotone, deep, menacing thing. He can do that. Mm-hmm. James Gunn has shown when you, get, you can get an actor like a Dave Bautista. Remember, Dave Bautista is a much better actor now than when he was first classed cast to play uh, drax in guardians of the galaxy you pair him up with the right director who knows how to really accentuate his strengths hide his weaknesses a little bit i look at that i definitely can see a bruce wayne for sure and i look at this and i definitely can see batman jesus yeah i'm like like that's just and he was very good in reacher yeah he was very good in reacher again i'm not sure and i just think playing batman is a little bit easier. I'm not saying it's easy to play Batman. I'm saying I think it's a little bit of an easier role than playing a Superman. Bro, I want to look like that.
4: Yeah, Uh, but to have to, what you have to eat to look like
1: that? (laughs) I (laughs) know. It's like the most boring thing.
2: One thing
0: to look like that, it's another thing to live like that. Yeah,
2: yeah, of course. But at least for a day.
1: I mean, so, I mean, he, I, I, so for that reason, I can see him there. Another name I'm going to bring up is a name that has been mentioned a lot over the years. And I'm now at a point that I can see it. Scott Adkins. Uh, Scott Actons mm. has been, a for, for people who are hardcore movie fans, particularly like their their action films, people know Scott. And he has been a favorite for a lot of fans for a long time, particularly in his action stuff. And, I mean, the physicality of him as well. He is a legit martial artist. He does all of his own stuff in his movies. Oh, he kicks ass. He absolutely kicks ass. And I'll tell you, one of the things that I've said in years past, in years past was, I just don't know if Scott... I mean, he's definitely a great action guy. I don't know if Scott yet is at that point that he can carry the acting weight to be a lead. But I'll tell you what. I recently had Scott here on the show with us. And I watched one of his newest movies, Accident Man, Hitman's Holiday. And he was to me, uh, he is now rounded up to be like a Jason Statham type he he's developed his acting chops. And you know what? At this point, I feel comfortable enough as a fan saying that, yeah, I could absolutely seeing him playing a Batman because again, you go back to that, uh, that other picture I had of him there with his, mm-hmm. you know, he's got the Bruce Wayne looks, he's got the great movie star looks and he would be like, you want to do a Tom Cruise verisimilitude with the, the acting and the action. Yeah. He will do all of his own action and it'll look spectacular. So he again not my number one, but another option in there that I'd I'd like to uh, recommend nonetheless. All right, oh no, get rid of that. All right, <laughs> next one. Oh yes, yes, yeah, and oh me, me for Batman. I see clearly, it. I see it. Forty pounds ago, me as Batman. All right, the next one up before I get to my number one. World class actor Oscar Isaac. Now. Oscar himself, again, I, I think is in a nice age range. He's a little, little high, maybe at 43. But again, he's in great physical shape. He is, again, a world-class actor and performer. I can see him as, as a Bruce Wayne. Look, he looks like he could pass as a, as a tycoon billionaire. You know, oh, yeah. When you clean him up, all that kind of stuff. I, I think, again, my number one priority is a world-class performer, and he is a world-class performer. He could definitely bring that character to another level. So, Oscar Isaac is another one of these guys. Again, none of these are in any particular order, except for my next one. My next one is my number one pick. In the 2023 Batman draft, the John Campion movie fans select Jake Gyllenhaal. Jake Gyllenhaal, to me, would be a fantastic Batman. Um, he is. Everybody knows he is a world-class actor. He is absolutely phenomenal, and even when he's in a piss shit movie like *Ambulance*, I was going to say, even <laughs> when he he's said in it. a garbage movie like *Ambulance*, he brings it every time. And listen, this dude can can bring the physicality. Oh yeah, dude, I can look at this guy and say, "Yep, yep, yeah, that's that's Bruce Wayne." That's Batman it's it's he's phenomenal he's a world-class actor and I see some moronic dolts in the live chat going, oh no, he's terrible well okay, go ahead and start thinking the uh, oh, wait
2: till they hear my lips go back and watch the tele-
1: <laughs> go back and watch the teletubbies all you want but Jake Gyllenhaal, an academy level actor, great physicality, great performer uh and now again, if I read the script that James Gunn is going to use for the new Batman, I may look at the script and go, oh, well, that's, that's, not, that's definitely not Jake Gyllenhaal. Like, so this is all just in, in a world where all things are equal and we don't have a script in our hands and we don't know who's the right fit or not. I think Jake Gyllenhaal would be absolutely fantastic. So there are a bunch of my, uh, of my picks there, Rob. Uh, we go over to you now. Okay, now so yeah, who, who are some of the guys that you could see doing stuff? I like have this? to
2: start by saying I was approaching this as more of a Batman Year One, even younger than Twilight Boy, I, younger than Pattinson. I was thinking, you know, early. 20s, yeah,
1: because that's that's one of the options mid- they could go with. Yeah, right? the that's younger what, version. So
2: people are gonna, and, and here's, I'm gonna give you, I'll give you my descending order. I'll give you my my number my number five choice. Watch the watch you guys go nuts <laughs> on this one nick jonas i know but think about it i don't know if you have pictures well
4: you know yeah i do but
2: okay so nick jonas look at the guy i don't know if he can act but i love (sighs) that guy's face can you bring that yeah no i've I've
1: got look at my screen there i
2: think nick jonas can be a bad see what i'm talking about there that's what i mean i look at this guy and i think he especially look at him on the left i could see him as bruce wayne i could see him as batman
1: I don't know what kind of a performer he is, but somebody, I don't... I'll, I'll tell you what, he had a show that he did with uh, Frank Grillo that was on for a number of seasons called Kingdom. Right. About an MMA family, and that's where I became a believer in him as an actor. Uh, he was actually really, really quite good in that. Not yep. not one of my Batman picks, but he was really quite good in Kingdom. Wait, yeah. is
0: he Sophia's husband, or is he... Pri- no, he's Pri- Pri-
1: Priyanka's, Priyanka's husband. Yeah, he's Priyanka's okay. husband, yeah. Um, number four
2: uh uh is it nick nick centrino
0: nick no, jonas uh, it's pronounced N- jonas I mean, no, no, no no i mean pardon
2: me noah, well, noah I, I mean, centrino me. i meant to say noah centrino also known as adam smasher uh, adam smasher and black adam i have been loving him in the recruit so his new show the recruit i like uh his he has a, a great i think a star quality to him and i'm sure his star is on the rise but i've been watching him in the show i really like him because he plays a cia lawyer and gets involved in shenanigans. I've really enjoyed the, that show and uh, enjoyed him on the show. So, did you get I think these, photos, can...
3: from <laughs> <laughs> you get these <laughs> photos from my phone?
2: <laughs> Rob was like, I thought I said bad things. On- <laughs> my next act, this guy, my next choice, he's already been a superhero. He's also been Jeffrey Dahmer, uh, oh, mm-hmm. Evan Peters. And uh, I, the thing is, this guy's a chameleon, but I think he's a great actor um i've loved him in almost everything he's been in whether it's american horror story playing jeffrey dahmer also playing quicksilver he has i think a heroic quality to him and um uh i think he could do the job i really do um my number two choice and this is going to be i mean a stiff breeze could blow this guy over uh however there he is timothy chalamet who could be in anything could i mean he'd glass have glass
0: with those cheekbones he'd
2: have he'd have to <laughs> bulk <body>. up. imagine <laughs> that guy's face in the cowl that's kind of an interesting photo it looks like he's pancaked there but as paul atreides uh he's going to have to turn out to be a fighting badass in dune 2 so i'm like okay timothy chalamet because he can do anything i think he could bring uh he would have to bulk up but I think about 200
1: play. pounds worth. Yeah. you had to bulk think up about 200 pounds.
2: A great quality to the role because I think he's an incredible actor. And I think he could do the role and he would sell tickets. All right. My number one choice, Ansel Elgort. That's my number one choice to play Batman. I loved him in Baby Driver. I thought he, oh, he was great. He was he's, great in
1: Baby Driver and great. West
2: Side Story and West Side Story. He's tall. You got to bulk him up a little bit. But uh, I think he's a good actor. I think he's got great screen presence. I don't think he was so great in West Side Story, but I, 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 I was thinking Baby Driver and he's tall. I mean, I, I think Batman should be imposing in terms of, that's why uh, that, that's why he's my number one pick. Because I'm, remember, I'm thinking young Batman on the, on the verge of, he's coming back to Gotham City, kind of like the beginning of Batman Begins, Christian Bale coming back after traveling the world. But that's that's uh, I think he could have been a Han
1: Solo, too. So, Aaron, Ooh. as our uh, third party sitting over yonder, uh, what what were some of the guys that either Rob or I brought up that stand
0: out to you? OK, well, first, I'm going to because I did have an audible moan. I apologize for that regarding Tom Hardy. Um, he is. Number one on a lot of my lists, but I won't go into those. <laughs> a lot of my lists. Um, I, I, as much as I love him and can and think he can do no wrong, I'm going to give a hard pass um, only because I just don't see him as Batman. Right. Um, I, I, he he's always going to be C- he's always going to be Kane for me. Always like and um, and and also this is going to go into several other people that are on both of your list, which is I don't want to see someone playing Batman that I already associate with another superhero. So, you know, to to the point where I go, oh, yeah, he was great as this superhero. So now I want to see him as Batman. Like I want someone to put on the. But then we'd never have had Chris Evans as Captain America.
1: Because he was Johnny Storm first. Yes, but you didn't. Ha- but you
0: didn't have Fantastic Four on my homework, so I never oh, okay. thought. Fair uh, enough. Fair <laughs> enough. There but you go. It's
4: two, two different J's. franchises. I mean, this is still in the Batman world. Sure. It's
1: like.
0: Right. Um, is there any way that you, we can bring up the list because there were a couple people from John? I mean, these were extensive. Well, I was thinking was, you were going to say two or three.
1: Uh, See, we had uh, just like Jensen, run them down real
0: quick. Jensen Ackles. No. Uh, Tom Hardy. No. Jamie Dornan maybe I could see a Jamie Dornan. And I think that this could also, for anybody that's like, you know, not sure because of, uh, you know, Fifty Shades of Grey. Well, Robert Pattinson blew that theory out of the water. If someone's a good actor, just because they did a movie that's not your cup of tea and maybe didn't stretch their dramatic abilities doesn't mean that they wouldn't have the ability to do and again, it. Again,
1: Go watch Belfast, everybody Exactly. Watch in Belfast.
0: So I, I think that Jamie Dornan is definitely a possibility. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then I had uh, Alan Richson, I'm not too familiar with him, but he has the. I mean, uh, I mean, obviously he has the.
1: the He did play Aquaman in Smallville, right?
0: I don't think that that counts. I'm talking about big screen or like in in the in the uh, case of Carl Urban, you know, he's so associated with the boys for me. I think that that I don't know. And Judge
1: Dredd, all right, and Judge Dredd, Bones. Then there was Scott. Sorry, uh, Scott Adkins. (gasps) I like him. Yeah, I, like I really
0: see this, and I love the fact that he's already got the physicality. Um, to jump over to Rob's list real quick, I don't want Timothy Chalamet to bulk up. I just don't want that to happen. I love Timothy Chalamet being Timothy Chalamet. I don't want him to get the Kamal Nanjiani jawline from like the bulk. I just, I hate, I don't want to see the bulk up of Timothy Chalamet. I Fair. want him to be the beautiful, delicate flower that he is and to <laughs> stay that way. And well, he's going to can- become
2: a galactic revolutionary at the end of the year.
0: He can still be frail and kick ass. I've seen it done. So I, I'm going to take off to quick. Anybody that has to bulk up to that degree, I'm going to take off my list. So uh, n- no strong breezes need to blow over my Batman. That only um,
1: leaves one guy on your list then, Rob.
0: So Scott Adkins, um, I definitely see him. But interestingly enough, talking about how Carl Urban might be too old at 50, Scott Adkins is going to be 47 this year. But he doesn't look true. And yeah, in Hollywood, 46. it doesn't matter how old you are. It matters how old you look. So um, I I think Scott Atkins is definitely a good contender for this. Rob, no offense. I didn't love anybody on your list. That's fair. It is fair.
1: You know who I did like on his list? Hmm. I I actually, and I don't can't believe I'm saying it now. I like the Noah Centrino angle. Like if you wanted to go younger and you, if you wanted to go that way... um. I, I don't mind that pick.
2: I like him in the recruit, and you know that's the thing. He has he has a bit of a range, Uh, but maybe because he's played Adam Smasher, he's out of the running. I don't know. But
0: well, here's another thing about Batman. They don't like to give somebody a shot, and while he may be very accomplished and very talented, and certainly be making a name for himself, he's not a household name. And let's face it. Batman has never been somebody who's on the, like, who's up and coming. Yeah, it's, it's, it's always been, been somebody who Clooney. is already yeah, a Val name Kilmer. actor that is recognizable, that everybody knows who this person is. Um, oh, one thing that did pop in my head about Timothy Chalamet, I would love him to do a role kind of like what Killian Murphy did as Scarecrow. I think he'd, oh, he'd make a Tim, great villain.
1: Timothy
0: Chalamet would be a great villain.
1: Oh, he'd be a great calendar. But
0: speaking of Killian Murphy, even though he you did play strange. Scarecrow, I'm going to go against my own. I'm going to I'm going to contradict myself, which I do often, and say I would love to see Killian Murphy as Batman. If you saw him as Tommy Shelby in, um, Peaky uh, Blinders, in Peaky Blinders, he's amazing in that. But I will say this: this but is he's, my. He's
1: the same age as Scott Atkins. Like he's he's turning forty-seven this year.
0: Right, but again. Doesn't look it, yeah, you know, true. and a brilliant world-class actor. I will say this. If I had $50 million and I was going to put it on one of two possibilities, one, that Regal was going to be the next great cinema brand, or two, that Jake Gyllenhaal would be the next Batman, I not only would put $50 million on that, I would double down because I will be shocked if he's not the next Batman. The reason is this. Number one... As you said, he's a world-class actor. Doesn't always choose the greatest movies, but he is a world-class actor. He has the pedigree. He comes from Hollywood royalty. He has nepotism on his side. He um, can bulk up, obviously, as we've seen. He is a household name. Um, He even made into a Taylor Swift song. Uh, You know, That's the only thing, is all the Swifties are going to be real pissed off and won't go to the theater. Mm -hmm. Everybody knows who he is. He's a fantastic actor. Um, His name has been on Batman lists forever. Ever, yeah, yeah he's and been in the mix before. He's a studio darling. The studios love him, and it's kind of a no-brainer. So I feel like he's kind of the one to beat. On there's a million people who could be Batman, but as far as being the yeah. one to beat, it's Jake Gyllenhaal. It that, is that is pretty much top tier. He's the Amazing guy.
4: Recognition.
1: He's the guy. He's got. Yeah, he brings. He ticks a lot of the boxes. And, and by the right saying, way, th- and on people my saying list. there's
0: no way he'd do it, I go, I'm sorry. On what? In what world is there oh, no, no, no way no, he? Nobody it. believes
1: he wouldn't do it. Of
0: course, there he are would do people it. that he, are he saying that, and they're crazy. he would,
1: no, he would absolutely, hundred percent, do it. The other thing is too is on my list. He's actually the youngest guy on my list. Mm-hmm. He just turned forty, so he's got a long road ahead of him. So I, I mean, there's a lot of interesting names. Anyway, guys, question is for you. What do you think? About all this, who do you think you could see being, again, all of this is meaningless when we don't actually have a script in front of us to know who could be the new Batman. Like, like If we saw the script and we saw what type of Batman they're going for, we might disqualify all of the picks that we had. But with that being said, who could you see being that? Let's get rid of my screen there, Jonathan. Mm -hmm. Who could you see? playing a role like that whatever you think about do you really like some of the picks that we had if so which ones do you really not like some of the picks we had if so which ones whatever you guys think jump down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts all right guys With that now down, we're going to go over, if you were one of our channel members, we're going to go over and now start taking the questions that you guys, our channel members, have been firing in. Once again, just look in the community tab and you'll see the top post is the place for you to go and leave your questions. And we'll pick out a few of them to read off after we come back thanking one of the sponsors of today's show, our great friends, Ryan Reynolds' own Mint Mobile. Guys, we want to thank a sponsor of this video, Mint Mobile. This holiday season, the best deal in wireless can only be found at Mint Mobile. Right now, when you switch to Mint Mobile and buy any three-month plan, you get another three months for free. Mint Mobile lets you order and activate from home with eSIM while saving tons on phone plans starting at just $15 a month. You guys know I've been using Mint Mobile long before this holiday deal, and I have to say it is the perfect time to switch. I have absolutely loved using Mint Mobile, and like I've told you guys many times, I am now spending less than one third of what I used to spend under one of the other major mobile carriers. And now with the whole buy three months, get three months free deal, it's it's even better. All of their plans come with unlimited talk and text, plus high speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and switch easily and effortlessly with eSIM. Or if you need a new device, for a limited time, get six months of free service when you buy a select device and plan. So, guys, for a limited time, buy any three month Mint Mobile plan and get three more months for free by going to mintmobilecom Campia. That's Mint Mobile mobile.com/campia. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com/campia. And thank you to my my personal mobile phone service provider and our sponsor today Mint Mobile for sponsoring the John Campia show. Okay, guys, let's get over to our member chat chat questions. We're gonna start off with our month anniversary member chat chat questions. So Taylor, what do we got in there? All right, so
3: first up we have Sammy who says, hey John, if Avatar makes two billion and the others follow, will you see Avatar as the biggest, most successful franchise of all time? And what do you think directors want the most, number one? Um, Oh, okay, what do you think directors want the most? Number one. Well, let's just stick with the
1: first part of the question there. Look, yeah, let's say in a theoretical world, if Avatar, which is the number one biggest box office film of all time, and if they do another one, and it also crosses the $2 billion mark, and then a third film crosses, the, if you go three for three of a $2 billion films, all due respect to MCU, which I like the MCU more than I like the Avatar world, like them both, but I like the MCU more, all due respect, but it's, it's Avatar. If you go, let's say for argument's sake, and again, this is conjecture, but if you go three movies and all three of them are in the $2 billion club, a club, by the way, that only has five members and one of them is already an Avatar film, and you do three of them, it's Avatar, isn't it?
2: Well, I mean, you know, if you look at, uh, I'm not sure what Infinity War gross, but you have No Way Home and you have Endgame. Yeah. And the, but the thing is there's a lot more. But that's more. 2 out of 30. Yeah, right? I mean that's the thing. There's more of the of that. And I would say yeah, if 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 Avatar averages out or if it just keeps making 2 billion, 2 billion, 2 billion. I mean, the first one's almost 3 billion. I'd say that that's a pretty damn impressive uh
3: franchise. All right. What's next? All right. Lori Howard says, "Do you think it's possible Marvel could do a switch and have King turn
1: into Doctor Doom as a story arc over multi-form yeah could be i mean that's something they could do that is i mean that is there's listen kevin feige has always shown that he takes from the source <laughs> material he does not feel beholden to the source material and there's a little bit of both in that so yeah that is absolutely something when we listen we right now anything goes until we see ant-man anything goes but that's definitely one of the possibilities all right what's next
3: um alex von Gollum says what is your take on the director's choice of color grading for example when the environment and colors look pale to convey a sense of griminess
1: well listen there's a great moment in the fablemans where a young steven spielberg goes into the office of the legendary director john ford and he looks at two pictures on the wall he goes what do you see in that picture i see a horse nah what do you see i don't know he goes where's the horizon uh, at the top of the picture right Now, look at this picture over here. What do you see? The horizon's on the bottom of the picture. Right. When the horizon's at the top of the frame, it's interesting. When the horizon's on the bottom of the frame, it's interesting. When the horizon's in the middle of the shot, it's shit. There you go. Listen, every, every director uses a lot of different tools to convey something they want to convey in a shot. From where the actor is in the shot, how they're framed, the rule of the thirds, whether the, what type of color palette they want to use. You look at a film like um, uh, uh, Taylor Sheridan wrote it about the hitman, the uh, uh, Mexico hitman. Uh, uh, Sicario. Sicario. You look at the color t- choices used in Sicario. You look at the t- color choices that Zack Snyder used. Every director, there is no right, correct one. It's just every director has a different palette they want to use to help convey the thoughts and emotions of the scenes that they're doing. All right, what's next? All right, so
3: Dante Sarechia says, remember that secret role Dwayne Johnson teased for a new IP. Will it still happen after Black Adam's failure? Was it ever real? What could it be?
1: Well, it it, it all depends on whether it was a DC thing or not. Obviously, if it was a DC thing, no, that it's not happening. But it could be one of anything. So I don't see how the... I'm not going to say the failure of Black Adam. I'm going to say the lack of success of Black Adam will have anything to do with it one way or the other. So probably still something that's happening. All right, what's next?
3: Arturo Castro says, Rob has the right idea, but they kind of do. I remember they had the road to Civil War for Team Cap and Iron Man. Oh, I think we're talking about the the previously on. Yeah. Um, That did a bit of each character's arc so far. They need to do more of those.
1: Here's the thing, though. I have a problem with the idea that you make that an audience member has to do homework. And mm-hmm. what what's the name of the series they have on Disney Plus? I think it's Legends. Yeah, that Legends thing. I that's great. The Legends stuff is great. That they, that's fine. But if you are making a movie that requires the audience to do homework first before watching it, I think that's a problem.
2: I agree. But remember, I was also speaking about a TV series like a Wandavision, being right? Used right. Yeah, in, yeah. in support of a movie. Mm. I mean, there is. Quantum mania is the 31st MCU film. I mean, that's 14 years of movies now. And I, you know, you can't,
3: it, it's a long saga. Yeah, certainly <laughs> Maybe is. a little primer. All right, what's next? All right, Casey Max says, even though nobody watches it, Marvel kind of already has those Marvel trailers for movies and shows about to come out and it's called Marvel Legends. So there we go.
1: <laughs> yeah, but again, saying. it's just anything that, rec- those should be nice little accents, not prerequisite reading before you go on and see a movie though. That becomes a problem. All right, what's next?
3: All right, Sidious Swift says, you're right about Hot Toys bought classic spidey uh at la comic-con then i bought endgame cap now batgirl and wonder woman are in route uh while scarlet witch and the batman are pre-ordered i'm stopping there i must no you won't
1: yeah good luck (laughs) i hope you can i mean it took a because that's the thing about hot toys man like like my henry here i don't know if we got a wider shot we can see like my henry or uh this one here my uh there we go my Infinity War Captain America, which I think is my favorite one now, actually. It's um, a great figure. It's a great figure. It's hard to stop buying them once you start buying them. It's really, really hard. Oh. They're like tattoos.
2: Don't. That's don't, why I don't start. Don't buy the, if, if you like Iron Man, do not buy the uh, die cast Iron Man because you won't be able to stop. And it, it is the most expensive hot toy in terms of pound for pound. Right. You won't
1: stop. It's difficult, but hey, enjoy the ones you have. I hope you're able to have some discipline. All right, what's next?
3: All right, Raymond Reddington says, "What is everyone's thoughts on Hunters on Amazon Prime? Final season starting next week. Don't watch it.
2: I watched the first season. That's the Al Pacino yep. hunting. No, I liked it a lot. It's it's, but I again, it's 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 funny. I I have no desire to watch the second season. I like the first season a lot.
3: Mm. All right." What's next? All right. I'm very excited about this one from Adam Mooney, who says we get an Evil Dead Rise trailer tomorrow. Can't wait (gasps) to see how this originally direct to HBO Max, now theatrical movie looks. 2023 is going to be a great year for horror.
1: Now, here's the interesting thing. There are two big examples of movies that the new ownership of HBO uh, being David Zaslav saying there are two movies that were destined for HBO Max that they've said, this is too good. We need to make this a theatrical film. One was Blue Beetle. Yep. And one is uh, Evil Dead Rising. I'm hoping Evil Dead Rising is as good as we're thinking it is because that will speak very well for Blue Beetle. But I know you're excited about this Evil Dead movie, too.
2: Dude, I've been a fan. I think it was 81 when the first Evil Dead came it out. Was. I worked on Army of Darkness. I'm a huge fan of this franchise. I want this. And Fetty Alvarez's remake was pretty good. Yeah. So, I, I, I mean, I I really want to see this. I
0: think it's going to be dope. I just saw Evil, Evil Dead for the first time Which recently. Which one? Though? But have you seen the Army first, of Darkness? The first No, the first yet. one. The 1981 one. And oh. then, and then we, and then we saw because um, Tom and I are doing a whole like uh, horror catch up, and um, and we saw Army of Darkness, and I took a picture of your name on the screen in the credits. <laughs> I was so <laughs> proud, so proud of my buddy.
3: I was a PA, arts, uh, makeup effects PA. All right, like what's next? All right, last one comes from Reels and Heels. Wasn't Jake Gyllenhaal attached to a Superman project years ago?
1: Might have been. I mean, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't have doubt that. I feels like there's a lot of people who have been attached to various Superman projects at different times. I mean, he
4: was in the running before Twilight was picked. He was in the running yep. for this. Yeah, I mean, that,
1: it was actually one of the strong considerations was Jake Gyllenhaal. Obviously, the one with a, with a younger, a different kind of version of it, yeah. but I, I still think he would make a great one now. All right, that with those ones down, let's move over to the live ones that our uh, channel members have sent in. What do we got up here first?
0: Uh, this comes to us from Thomas Breakfast, Lunch, and Dinner. Oh, sorry, <laughs> Thomas, breakfast, dinner, and then lunch. Hi, team, and Happy New Year. One of my most anticipated movies coming this year seems to be completely under the radar. Ridley Scott's Napoleon, starring Joaquin Phoenix, set to be released on Apple TV+. The last time Joaquin was directed by Ridley Scott and played an emperor, these two gave us a masterpiece.
1: Gladiator. Yep, murdering his own father in that one. I mean, yeah, look, uh, honestly, the only reason that this movie did not end up on my most anticipated list is because Martian aside Ridley Scott's track record. The last 10 years has been shaky. Um, But again, he's working with a fantastic direct with a fantastic actor. The source material seems great. So there's a lot to look forward to, but that's why I didn't make it onto my most anticipated list. You looking forward to this one? I am because I love looking at Ridley
2: Scott movies, but like you, I, I mean, look, I'm a huge fan of The Counselor and no one likes that movie, but I love it. Um, that and The Martian. I mean, The Martian is a great...
1: It's, it's masterful. It's I a love great that movie. film.
2: Yeah. And um, I, I love it, but yeah, dude. And I want to see a Napoleon movie because as a Kubrick fan, his big unreleased, uh, unrealized dream was making a Napoleon film. Which he didn't get to make, so I I
1: I think it could be great. I want to see it. All right, what's next?
0: From Murray Reich says, hopes and prayers for Damara Hamlin. Hope he pulls through. Same. Yeah,
1: again, that's the Buffalo Bills player. One of the scariest things. I mean, we've seen players stretched off uh, on on football fields for never seen anything like that uh, last night. That was a really really scary moment. And uh, yeah, here's here's really hoping that uh, that that all works out well. All right, what's next?
0: Uh, from shaky jake 93 watch tar over the weekend and wow Blanchette delivers an astounding performance and the um, the others in this
1: one shots
0: oh sorry thank you um, and the wonners in this film were wildly impressive what did you guys think of the film
1: well both of us uh, talked about a little bit on our best films of the year list oh uh, list that we put out yours it was actually your number one
2: I love it. I just the 4k came out last week I've watched it twice again that perform it's a stunner of a performance
1: oh yeah she's winning the oscar this year oh
2: yeah but, but far, there's no there's no one even comes close
1: i mean i i i like michelle yo is going to get a lot of attention yeah i think for everything well deserved but yeah this is going to be Kate blanchett's thing I'll, I'll be surprised i mean it's not a lock but i'll, I'll be surprised if she does oh, it's so fabulous film all right what's next
0: from blake 62 have any of you listened to the game of thrones audiobooks they're narrated by the late roy dot how do you dotris
2: dotris yeah
0: dotris and honestly Dautrys. it's worth it just for his performance he has a voice for every character it's pretty remarkable happy new year voice actors
1: who do Ugh. animation need a lot of skill voice actor voice actors who do audiobooks just another level especially when they do them right because they they suddenly have to do the voice of like 20 different characters try to give them each a unique thing of their gender and of another gender oh yeah and it's crazy so uh long long answer short i have not read read nor listened to any of the game of thrones audiobooks i probably never will but i mean voice actors doing this stuff are crazy good and shout
2: out to roy if you want a deep cut look him up as commissioner simmons i'll just leave it at that all right What's next?
0: Alexander Ken says, I am extremely excited for Star Wars, The Bad Batch Season 2. Are you interested and or excited for the return of Commander Cody and seeing where his story ends or goes? Thanks for doing this and happy to be a member.
1: Uh, I thought Bad Batch was a batch of shit, uh, (laughs) to be honest with you. Um, They had sent me this wonderful, big a swag box. It was, gore. the box itself was gorgeous and it was filled with all this great uh, Bad Batch, you know, stuff in it, including even Bad Batch socks. I mean, they had a lot of very, very cool stuff in it. And I, I did not like the Bad Batch when they were in Clone Wars, the final season. I didn't like them. But I watched the first episode, the first two episodes of Bad Batch season one, I'm like, you know what? This isn't bad. But then I watch episodes three and four and I five and I'm like, now this sucks it's really bad. yeah so you're talking to the wrong guy i mean listen it, there are people who like bad batch and that's awesome it will definitely work for a bunch of people it unfortunately didn't work for me i think it sucks i have no plans on ever watching it again what about you Eh, you know
2: i i like you i was not impressed with the first season but i like the design of the characters they make great hot toys i might do all
1: right all right what's next
0: Uh, CJ Reber says, I know Adam Sandler's movies are hit and miss for people, but one of my personal favorites that I think is underrated is Click, specifically when rewatching it at an older age. Here's
1: the problem with Click. And I I remember the the problem is it's two different movies. Like the, the first half of the movie I thought was great. And then if you've seen the film, there's a pivotal kind of thing that happens and the movie kind of changes gears. And I didn't love... That, like after that happens, it was, like for me, when I think of Adam Sandler's, his to me, his greatest performance ever that I think he should have gotten an Academy Award nomination for was Rain Over Me. That movie is an underappreciated masterpiece of a film. It's heartbreaking. It's beautiful. And it shows a side of of Adam Sandler that before then I don't think people knew existed. So Click was a bit of a mixed bag for me. What did you think of it?
2: I, I think so, too. I mean, I like the premise. But I, 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 for me, Adam Sandler's really mostly miss. I mean, I love him in Happy Gilmore, you know. But, 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 click, like, that's I'd have to go see that again. But I've kind of felt the same way that you did
1: Mm. about the movie. All right, time for a couple more Uncut Gems, though. Yeah, he's great in Uncut Gems. What's next?
0: Aranananda says, Hi, John. Do you think whenever Spider-Man 4 comes out, it will continue the MCU Spidey movie traditions and pair him with another A-list superhero like Iron Man or Doctor Strange? Thoughts and prayers to Jeremy Renner and his family.
1: That's a great question. Um, I would, it'd be really nice to see, I'll be honest with you. While I have really, really, really enjoyed the, Tom Holland Spider-Man films Uh, especially the first one and I I really like I like No Way Home very 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 much I honestly find Marvel treats Spider-Man with some disrespect I really do from the very fact that from the beginning that they've had him in Marvel they thought Spider-Man's not cool enough we have to make him an Iron Man variant let's give him Iron Man armor because he's not cool enough Spider-Man's not cool enough and I didn't mind at first, having another major MCU character in there with him because it was a segue, right? So to have kind of a um, another character to act as that segue with the character, I, I thought that was perfectly fine. I was worried at first that Spider-Man: Homecoming was really going to be Iron Man 4 with guest star Spider-Man, but it didn't. <laughs> you, you know, Iron, Iron Man's presence in the movie was minimal, and I thought it was a good segue. It seemed like they needed to rely on bigger, arching uh, MCU presences to be there every time, even in Spider-Man No Way Home, where you had to have Doctor Strange. Now, there was a narrative reason for that. You needed Doctor Strange for part of the story. It would be neat to see Marvel show some respect to the Spider-Man character and say he doesn't need to be an Iron Man Jr., and he doesn't have to have a bigger adult Marvel character there holding his hand to make people be interested in him. Marvel needs to understand that Spider-Man is awesome and he's awesome as Spider-Man and he can carry his own movie and he doesn't need to be a miniature version of Iron Man and he can be great. So I, I don't know, Rob, what do you think? You know, I tend to
2: agree with you. I, 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 look, I think where the MCU is now with Spider-Man, it's got, a, he's got a clean slate, you know, which I really like. Like I, I'm fascinated to see what they do, where they left him after no way home, where's Spider-Man going to be right? Right. now that Peter Parker is truly alone. In the world, how do you reestablish yourself? Spider-Man still exists, but Peter Parker is essentially a cipher. You know, there's nothing there. Where are they going to go with that? And I think it could be great, but I like you, I'd like to see him on his own. Like, literally, he's going to be your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man now because he has to reestablish his bona fides or whatever doing what he's doing because he has no support. Well, that that trilogy actually it's what developed him into Spider-Man. We just
4: yes. didn't kind of realize it till the end of that last one yep. where he makes his own suit. It's not tech driven. He goes out, it's more street level. I think that was us. It, everything was a prequel. And then where that ends, totally that's agreed. Spider-Man now that we, if,
1: know. if they follow through on yeah. that, yeah, it can be very exciting. Yep. Very, but will they, Will they? Because three movies in, they haven't shown it yet. But if if they pick up right where they left off, John, because that's a great point, that could be some exciting stuff to see. All right, we got time for one more. What's next?
0: Aaron Epstein says, Hey, John, is Avatar 3 coming out too close to Avatar 2? Seems like there would be fatigue unless he creates even better visuals, which seems hard given the time.
1: I disagree with that a thousand percent. And here's why. I watched... How many episodes of Andor was there? Twelve. 8, 9, 10, Twelve. 11, 12? 12, 12. I watched 12 installments of <laughs> Andor back to back to back to back, for, you know, two and a half months straight, because they launched with a couple episodes for, for months straight. I haven't seen Avatar in a couple of weeks now. And you're going to make me wait another year? Two until years. until Or two Christmas years? of 2020 Until I see another installment? Guys, we watch you know, episodes back to back to every single week, we're going back to watch a new chapter of certain stories. when We're watching television. I don't believe in this idea that, Oh, it's just a year later that we watched. Now I do not think fatigue will be a thing. Yeah. Um, I, again, I thought this avatar and I don't know how you feel about this, Rob. I thought this avatar was superior to the first avatar in every way. I thought the story was deeper I thought they gave more attention to character development. Uh, the, the action, the adventure of it was definitely different. They grew and expanded the world. The visuals took another step up. I mean, again, Avatar The Way of Water is not my number one film of the year, but I thought it was superior in every way. And I, I'll i be honest with you, I cannot wait to watch number three. I'm very excited. I wish I could watch it next month.
2: Me too. I mean, I look, I, I was always been a big fan. I liked the first Avatar a great deal, and I just rewatched it. I I think Avatar's story, there's there's things in Avatar Two, open ended things about the story. Like for instance, there's no mention of unobtainium at all. Suddenly, yeah, they which don't
1: was need it. the main yeah. thing, and all of a sudden it's not there. That was my one real nitpick about this. And film.
2: now, if they figured out the way to get immortality mm-hmm. is to do a little bit more whaling on Pandora, that was kind of came out of left field too. Interesting, but how did they figure that out? So there's the first Avatar's story is really tight, but Avatar Two brought the awe and the wonder. And I, I I was astonished by that movie. I've seen it now three times. And there's a lot in it. I was just jaw hitting the floor. And I thoroughly enjoyed watching it. Bring on the third one. Why not? Well in the way it ends too because it, it leaves it like open to more.
1: Yeah. Yeah, no, it it absolutely it sets it up. Okay. And and you know what? They did it great. They never that movie never because some movies that are part of a franchise, it feels like they end mid-sentence. Avatar two ended The movie, it was a satisfying ending of the movie. And then, you know what it did? It acted like Supernatural did as a TV series. A season of Supernatural would end and it would end off satisfyingly the story of the season and then hinted and opened the door for here's the story coming to come. That's what this one did. It brought the story to an end and said, now here's where we're going next. And it was a really, really well done way that way. All right. And guys, that's all the time we have for today on this installment of the John Cavy Show. Thank you so much for being here and making this show a part of your day. Big special thank you to all you guys who sent in the message. Number one, for being channel members of our show and being supportive and also for giving us fun things to talk about. I want to thank the people in the room with me. Sitting over here, Mr. Robert Meyer Burnett. Of course, back there, Ray Aura mm-hmm. Taylor has been doing all the fact-checking stuff with us for us. Jonathan Voiko running the show. Aaron Cummings and, of course, little Joey Bishop being there. And, of course, most importantly, you guys have been here and been a part of today's show. Reminder, guys, a little bit later today at 3 o'clock Los Angeles time, Rob and I will be back for our open mic. So make sure you guys come back and join us for that. That will do it for us for now, guys. Thanks a lot for being here. My name's John Campia. And until next time, my friends, bye-bye.